Well, thank you, John. It's a great privilege to be here today. I want to pray right now. It's really not how I was going to start out the, the message, but we need to give an invitation right now, okay? So let's, let's pray. I don't know if a preacher's ever done that before he's preached, but we're going to. You know, if you just heard those words and you know those words, you even believe those words, but you never received those words, you never received the grace of Jesus, let me just make sure you know one more time that we're all equal, we're all sinners, we're all in need of a Savior. There's no way in the world on our best day ever that we would deserve to be with God for eternity because He's perfect and we're not. But thanks be to God to, for the gift of salvation. The amazing grace, as a 10-year-old boy saved me and has saved many. But if you don't know Christ today, you're no worse than we are. We're just saved. Say yes to Jesus. Ask Him to, ask him to come in your life and receive Him as your Lord and your your Savior. Surrender your life to Him. If you have questions, talk to one of the deacons or myself or Pastor Jonathan or others. Boy, come to, come to Jesus. Take a moment, just ask God to speak to you right now as I get ready to preach. And then would you pray for me? that I'll convey these words exactly how God wants me to. Lord, I thank you for what is going on here at First Baptist Church of Enid, God. I thank you for a, a movement from you. I pray, God, that six months from now and a year from now and ten years from now, that, God, these people and others will just be marveling in the incredible grace and, and wonderment that you have, have done in this town, God, and use this church and our other sister churches, and God, just to, just to move mightily. And I pray that your word today is conveyed the way you want me to convey it. More than that, may your spirit speak, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Timothy today, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22, and today's message is Paul's last words. His last time that he speaks, we believe it is weeks before he passes away, no longer than months before he passes away. The book of 2 Timothy is different than the book of 1 Timothy in this way. 1 Timothy really was written to the church and in all likelihood, Paul wrote the book of Titus next. But 2 Timothy is a very personal book to Timothy. I mean, it has some things for the church to hear. But it's very much like if I was just talking to my friend Carl Smith. Yeah, I did call him a friend, okay? And, and I, was just, I was just talking to him back and forth. This, that's much like what Paul, Paul is doing today with Timothy. He, he's reminding him one more time. And a couple years ago, I preached here. I know you remember that message clearly. Obviously, I know that's true. And, and I talked that day about the word Paul and Timothy and how the first time that they came together, Paul just discovered Timothy on a mission trip, and he took him along as an intern to, to go with him. And then eventually he gave him some responsibility, and, and then he, they started working together. And eventually he wrote the book of Philippians, and it was, it was started out Paul and Timothy as equals. And now, at the end of his life, he is saying to Timothy one more time some important things like, Hey, I am leaving this to you. 
don't forget these things. Isn't it beautiful to have those kind of relationships in this world? Isn't it beautiful to have great things that happens in, in this world and great people to do life with? A guy named Oscar Thompson taught at Southwestern Seminary for years in the book in evangelism. And he wrote a book called The Concentric Circles of Concern. It's been a book that I read early in my ministry. But it really talked about our different relationships with people. And here's what he said. He said the most important word in the English language is the word relationship. Would you say the word with me? Relationship. The most important word... You know, Jesus says that, doesn't he, in Matthew 22, 37 through, through 40? Jesus is asking, what's the most important commandment? And he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is wrapping up the Old Testament into two, two commandments. Love God and love people. Have a great relationship with God through Jesus Christ and do your best to have a great relationship with people while you're on this earth. I have the great privilege of being a grandfather. You don't know it's a great privilege till it happens, and then you realize that it is. I'm not called Grandpa. I'm called Pa. Sherry, who sat by me for a little while, she is a, she's called Nom. We're Nom and Pa. And, and several, several weeks ago, we went over and took care of our two grandkids, Clark and Cameron. Clark's five. Cameron's almost three. And that night, we were playing games, but then Sherry started playing a game with my grandson, Clark. Usually, I do that. And Cameron wanted to draw. Usually, Sherry is the artist, because she's an art teacher. But I helped Cameron that night uh, draw some things. So, Sherry was playing a game. I was doing Cameron. Cameron got some magic markers. She's almost three. She told me, in Cameron language, that she wanted to make four pictures. I clearly understood that. One for her mom, one for her dad, one for Nam, and one for Pa. Okay, sure enough, she got four, I gave her four pieces of paper. She made the most beautiful dots I've ever seen in my life. I mean, uh, I got pictures if you want to see them later. Feel, feel free to ask me. So she makes all those, okay? Then she gets through and she says, okay. She said, nom, pa. So I said, do you want me to write something on them? She, she said, yeah. So I got my pen out and I wrote, what do you want to say? She goes, to mom love Cameron. I wrote that down, to mom love Cameron. Okay, good. What about this one? This is to dad. To dad love Cameron, okay? To dad love Cameron. Okay, who's this one to? This is to Nam. Okay, what are you going to write there? I like you very much. Well, wow, that's pretty sweet, Cameron. That's good. I wrote down, I like you very much, love Cameron. Okay, what are you going to write to Pa? She wrote to Pa, okay, to Pa. What else do you want to write? Cameron, you want to walk? write anything else? No. She goes walking down, goes plays, and I'm sitting at the table hanging there like, come on, Cameron, I've been working with you for hours now, you know? And um, Relationships are a big deal, aren't they? They're a big deal. Uh, they're, they're, they, they make our lives feel good or bad, happy or, or sad. And, and today, I want us to look at what Paul talks about as his last statement, his last stuff. Look at verse 9 of 2 Timothy. I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll jump in 
jump into this. The Bible says this. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, Make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself because he strongly opposed our words. These easily can be words that if we're reading our Bible through, we get to these and we just read over these names and and we get to the end and say, okay, I'm done with with 2 Timothy. But these are Timothy's last, Paul's last words. And the first thing he talks about is he talks to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, the one I love so much, make every effort to come to me soon. This was that intern from years ago who, who did life with him. And, and now Paul is in prison. And many times we hear that Paul is in a, a pretty easy prison. And that was true on his first imprisonment. But that was not true here. Second Timothy talks about he was in a hidden place. They can't even find him. And things are hard. And they had turned up persecution. And What's important to Paul? He says... Timothy, I'd like to see you again. Man, I don't have much time on this earth. And Timothy, you've been a win for me in my life. And you've been a win for the gospel of Jesus. And you've been faithful throughout his life. And make every effort to come to me soon. But then he goes to verse 10. Because Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Well, Demas had been a follower of least of Paul. In all likelihood, we would understand he wouldn't be a believer, but he was at least a part of the church and, and has deserted him. And, and this word desert here isn't just a, a, a simple word. It means you utterly abandon me. You've walked away from me. You've left me helpless. He, he's saying, Paul or Timothy, come to me soon. Man, Demas has deserted me. He's utterly abandoned me. He's left me helpless. So think in your life. Who, who's that Timothy in your life? That you, you have been a Paul to them or a Timothy to them, and you just say, make every effort to come to me soon. As a believer in Christ, they have just mattered in your life. And then, unfortunately, what about that Demas? Somebody that was there with you, and then one day they were gone. And, you know, as a, as a minister for 35 years, there have been people in the churches that I pastored who were so involved. And then one day they're not, and it hurts, and it, it's challenging. And Paul is being, being reminded, once again, Timothy, come see me. Because Demas has hurt me. He's utterly abandoned me. He's chosen the world instead of choosing following Christ. And if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I'm about ready to walk away from this Christian faith or, or, or my heritage of faith or what I've been taught, may I urge you to pay attention to the rest of this message. 
There's never been a perfect church nor a perfect Christian, but make sure you hang on with us today. But then he goes a little farther. He talks about two missionaries. He talks about Creason and Titus. And, and, he, and he says that toward the end of verse 10. He says, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to, to Dalmatia. What, what does that mean? That they've gone on a missionary journey. They haven't deserted him. They have left him. Does that make sense? They haven't abandoned Paul. No. They went out following the call of Christ Jesus. They've gone out to be missionaries. And I know First Baptist Church of, of Enid is a great mission-minded church from, from doing mission trips and supporting that and, and, and giving generously to Lottie Moon and caring in this community. And that's your heartbeat. And, and look at these two guys. Cretans left his comfort and went out. Titus, once again, had been a faithful man, and now he once again, after Crete, he's continuing to be a faithful man. Is God calling you to leave the comfort of First Baptist Enid? Is God calling you to say, man, God has called me to go around the world to share the good news of Jesus on a short-term mission trip or a long-term mission trip, to, to be involved with the International Mission Board or, or, or a, a United States mission, so the North American Mission Board. Is there something God's calling you to do? Paul is saying here, I am thankful for these two. Even though they're gone from me, they're doing the important things of life. And then there's that guy named Luke. The doctor who, who wrote the book of Luke and put great emphasis in them. In the book, he says in verse 11, he says, Only Luke is with me. What are you saying? Man, there's only one guy. There's only one guy who's here with me as I'm in prison. Only one guy who's checking on me and caring for me. And this very loyal, tough-for-the-gospel kind of guy named Luke what a testimony that is. Luke is the guy who hung in there during hard times. Can I make sure you understand how hard it was for Paul at this time? Paul, easily as he would go to trial, was accused of being an atheist. He said, an atheist? Yeah. He was accused of not believing the Roman religion. He was also could easily be, be uh, accused, Pliny says, uh, uh, of being a, um, a cannibal because he talked about eating the blood and the body. And so they were charging him with cannibalism and, and, and being an atheist. And he was being punished. And what did Demas do? Demas took off. What did Luke do? Luke, Luke stood just with him. And 2,000 years later, we say, Luke was a tough friend for a tough time. May that be our testimony. And then there's that guy, Mark. Hmm. Mark's an interesting story. The first time we, um, the first time we see Mark is, is in Mark chapter 14, 51. He wrote this story. But look how he refers to himself. This is when Jesus was being arrested. And he says, And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen, linen cloth. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. 
first streaker that we know of in the world, okay? We haven't, we haven't seen one before this time. And Mark was there when Jesus got arrested. And, and, and what did he do? He took off. Well, then it goes further. What, what happens next? Well, in Mark chapter, uh, Acts chapter 13, it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. John was John Mark, okay? So this was the same person. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Well, get this, though. Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So what's happening here? Well, first of all, John Mark deserted at Jesus at the cross, and he, he ran away, the Bible says, with no clothes on. And then later on, he was on a mission opportunity, and he turned back. And then later on, about 20 years before this book was written, he was, he was wanting to go again, and Barnabas said, hey, let's take him. And Paul, who's Paul? Paul's the writer of Second Timothy here. Paul said, man, I'm not, I'm not taking him with me. Look what they said. They, they arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been committed by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So 20 years before Paul was writing his last letter, he said, I am not taking this Mark guy with me. He has not been faithful to the gospel. But then look. Look at verse 11. Are you back in 2 Timothy 4? He says, only Luke was with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. What? John, 20 years earlier, he said, there's no way in the world I'm going on a mission trip with Mark. And now 20 years later, he's saying, bring Mark with you. Hey, Timothy, as you come, bring Mark, for he is useful to me. Paul is talking personally. He's useful to me in the ministry. What can that remind us of today, my friends? Sometime in that place, Mark changed. He went from being a, a, a man of fear, a man that wouldn't stand up to tough times, to a man who, who continued pressing on in the gospel. And he was more sanctified, more like Jesus, and he kept following. And now 20 years later, Paul is saying, bring my friend Mark. Man, he's been faithful to me. I want to see him. So here's what I did a few weeks ago when I read this scripture. I thought back 20 years. Kind of hard to remember, you're right. But in the year 2002, I was pastoring at a church, a First Baptist Church in New Walla, halfway between Midwest City and, and Shawnee. And at that time, I had, a, I had a friend by the name of Roy, and Roy had become saved. And somewhere around 2002, we had had a sharp disagreement, okay? I know that surprises you. No, it doesn't, right? We were friends, 
And we were co-workers in, in the church, but there were hurtful times. Things he said, and sure, I'm sure things that I said. And, and our disagreement really hurt both of us a lot. And that was in 2002. But I, can I tell you, as I read that scripture, that in 2022, a few weeks ago, that this guy named Roy, who we had this sharp disagreement over, over some stuff, that we had just got through working on a project together to help a senior adult lady who, unfortunately, his house was in a mess. She had bed bugs and some other things. And we'd got some other people involved to help pay for somebody to come together and spray her house. And he had brought me some money so I could give to a church so that they could help. But in 2002, my point would be, I'm done with that dude. And in 2002, his point would be maybe worse than that about me. But 20 years later, we're laughing and celebrating and teasing and joking each other about the grace of God. Then I went back 20 years before that, just just because that's what preachers do. You think. And I thought, oh, in 1982, I was just out of college and I had this friend named Tony. Tony and I grew up together and went to Henderson Hills. Miss, Miss Ivy might, might remember Tony. Good, good friend. But somewhere about college days, we had some falling outs, you know, thinking we had the world figured out and we were the best and probably some girl was involved in that situation somehow. And, and we had a hard falling out to the point that we were no longer friends. But in that same week that I saw Roy... I showed up at a buddy's house on a Friday, and most Fridays this last year, I've met with four of my high school friends, including Tony, who's gone on to do BCM work around the nation, and, and we laughed, and we talked, and we told stories, and we celebrated the grace of Jesus. So that's a pretty big verse to me. And I want to give you some encouragement here. Look, look back at it about Mark. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. Think back 20 years. Think back 20 months. Think back two years. You, you go back, and there's somebody that you're doing life with, and they've deserted you. And if you're honest right now, you'd say, man, I'm done with them. I'm done. Can I remind you of Mark and Paul? Can I remind you of the grace of God? Can I remind you that the Bible tells us to to forgive each other? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, as God in Christ forgave you. Let me make sure you understand. Forgiving is not forgetting. Whoever says that is wrong. We will never forget certain things that happen. We all have scars on our life, but we can only forgive when we realize what Jesus has done with us. John, I know this song called Amazing Grace. I've heard that before sometime. Amazing Grace. Unbelievable grace. That saved a wretch like me. When we look at what Jesus has done for us, it gives us at least the opportunity to say, God, I am willing to forgive that person. I am willing to restore that relationship. May I encourage you today for the rest of your life 
Don't let somebody who's done something to you allow you to stay bitter the rest of your life. Paul grabbed hold of this big word, and he says, hey, bring that Mark guy. Let me keep going. Tychicus and, and Carpus. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus as well as the scrolls, especially, especially the parchments, okay? These guys are, aren't, we know very little about them, but they were letter carriers, one of the things that happened is that Tychicus carried the original Bible around to the different places. He took, he took the original Bible, the book of Ephesians, he took to, to Ephesus. Carpus, probably when Paul got arrested, Carpus was probably there. And Paul is saying to him, hey, bring the cloak, because it's cold, I left, I, I, I left in Carpus as well as the scrolls and the parchment. Bring my study materials and bring a cloak with you when you come. God reminds me there, there are people behind the scenes, right? Those people that we've taken for granted through the years, that have been faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're not the ones that stand up in front of people or they're even notice. There's just those people who do those quiet things over and over and over again that we, like Paul, need to remember. Late in our life, he's reminded of these two faithful, trustworthy servants. I wish I could stop there, but I can't. I might say, you wish I would stop there, but... I shan't. Verse 14 says this, Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him because he strongly opposed our, wor- our word. Hey, in the Christian life, even when we look back late in our life, we're going to know there's hardships, struggles, and difficulties. And this Alexander gave Paul and other believers great harm. All likelihood, he was a coppersmith, a metal worker. Perhaps he was losing profits over idol worship, worship and not worshiping idols. And on his second arrest, he was still giving Paul great harm. And he told Timothy, hey, watch out for yourself. He's not just trying to get me, he's trying to get you. So what do we do with those people who are really after us? who really want to run our life, who really are persecuting us as believers, or maybe there's just somebody that are just mean. They don't even care that we're believers, but they're just mean. What do we do? Can I ask you to do something? Look over to the book of Psalm real quick. Psalms 35. In the Psalms, there are several Psalms that are what are called imprecatory Psalms. Imprecatory Psalms. That's my impressive word for the day for you, okay? Imprecatory Psalms. Those are Psalms where you say and you read them, you say, go get them, God. God, fight my battles. God, protects me. So you remember my friend Roy from 2002 and we restored our friendship? I discovered this Psalm in 2002 because God does good things during hard times. And here's what God said to me. Look at this. Psalm 35, verses 1 through, 1 through 5. He says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. 
Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Verse 15 says, But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. They gathered against me. Assailants I did not know. They tore at me and did not stop. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me. What is God's word saying? Friends, hear this. When the Alexanders of our life come after us, or our family, or our friends, or our church, or the Christian faith, what do we do? Take the battle to God. Give it to Him. Oh, that doesn't mean that that you don't ever have to do something on your own, but that would be not out of anger. It would be out of God's wisdom to you. But take the battle to God. James is called camel knees because he, 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 he got on his knees and prayed so much. And we are called to take our battles to God. That's what Jesus did in the garden. Father, if possible, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. That, that's what he says over and over again. God, take care of this. Fight our battles, God. What do we do when the Alexanders come after us? We go to God. We teach our children to go to God. We, we, we work with our spouse and our friends and we go to God and we do all we can to ask God to fight our battles. Because those Alexanders are going to attack not just the Pauls, but also the Timothy. And then I've got to share verse 16 through 18 with you. So far, every person Paul has talked about has not been perfect. Even a Timothy and a Luke have their own failures. So does a Griff and whatever your name have. We have our own failures. But look at verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Huh. First time he went to trial, who stuck with him? Nobody. Everybody deserted Paul. Except verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. So the Lord stood with me. Hey, if you were here today at the very first and I said to you, you might be about done with this Christian stuff in the church. Can I just be honest with you? You're not going to find a perfect church. Man, you're not going to find a perfect pastor. You're not going to find a perfect church person. You're not going to find a perfect denomination. But you can find a perfect Jesus. Paul here is saying, I need these people so much, but they didn't even stand with me. But Jesus has always stood with me. 
He's never deserted me. He's always been there through the good and bad times. And he's given me strength. And he says, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. John, I got to believe that, that Paul had been reading the Old Testament stories of Daniel, maybe in his quiet time in the morning. And he'd been reading about, about Daniel and the lion's den. And as he's writing this, and he's going, man, I've gone through that, that, that lion's mouth also. And he writes that down as a reminder. Friends, please hear this. God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's with us forever. Look at the promise of verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every... Every is a big word. Every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul had a few weeks left of his life, but he's saying, my Lord's never deserted me. And soon and very soon, I'm going to be with him forever. You know, soon and very soon, we're going to be with Jesus forever. Some of us, as we get older, we think sooner than some who are younger. That doesn't always turn out that right. But compared to the rest of eternity, our, our life is just a moment. And we can say as we go through this life, God gives us godly people to love on and care on and to forgive. But most of all, he gives us Jesus who is with us forever. And let me just read the last three verses, four verses, and make one point and we'll pray. It says, Greek Priscilla and Aquila... The household of Anesphorus, Erastus has remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Those were his former friends. Those were his friends from college and high school and early in their career. Those were his former friends who still are his present friends. But then verse 21, he says, make every effort to come before winter. And now he talks about his present friends. He says, Eubulus greets you, as do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. Friends, can I remind us that God has given us friends and family? He continues to give us those same people, but he also gives us new friends. So do this for me. Look right next to you. Are you looking? Not... Not at the person. Look at the pew right next to you. The seat right next to you. Balcony, you got a lot of chairs to look at up there, okay? Carl, sit down. Don't, 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 don't be going around, okay? Those are new friends. Those are people who haven't moved to Enid yet. Or those are people who maybe have lived here, but, but they haven't been called by the Spirit yet, or they're resisting the Spirit that a year from now, on New Year's Day, which won't be on a Sunday, you'll be here at church, and there'll be somebody sitting in that spot, and they'll be your new friend, and you might go out and eat lunch with them, and you might end up teaching a new Sunday school class with them, and you might be discipling them. They might be that Timothy. I love that. Last thing he says, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my former friends, I'm thankful for my new friends. And then he says this, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you all.
Paul's last words is, may all know Jesus. May all have the Spirit in them. And weeks later, months later, Paul was with the Lord forever and there. Let's pray. I have to admit to you, I, I like looking at people in the Bible who we know very little about and just, just rejoicing over how God uses different people in our lives. Let me go back to Paul focused on two things, loving God and loving people. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of response, and John's going to lead you in the song. I'll be here on the front pew. Some of the deacons will be here at the front to, to help you also. You can come to these steps and pray. You can pray in your seat. You can come and receive Jesus. Man, if you're supposed to respond publicly, don't wait for Pastor Jonathan to get back. Respond today. That's exactly what God and Pastor Jonathan would want you to do. Maybe you need to pray to forgive somebody, or you need to to pray to um, not wander away from the faith like Demas did. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray. After I pray, John will lead us in a song. We'll be here to pray with you. This is your moment. Say yes to Jesus. God, I thank you for these people that you gave us in the Bible that shows us of their great love for Paul and for you. God, I thank you that you have never failed me or deserted me. And God, I thank you that the best is yet to come. Bless this time of response, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God, all to Jesus.